Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. I am your host, Scott Needham, an Amazon seller. And I have with me Amy Weiss from Amazing at Home. She has been giving such amazing advice. I was at a conference with her two, three weeks ago in Boston. And when I heard her talk, I was like, all right, I've got to get her on the podcast to talk about this subject. I've never talked about it. And I know there's a few people that are probably at this threshold of how to take some of their products, some of their brands to the next level, understand um, what it can mean to branch outside of Amazon and perhaps even into retail stores. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Scott. It's great to be here. So, um, you know, I like to think that I'm uh, pretty good at selling on Amazon, but uh, the more I've been doing this podcast, the more that like I'm like, ah, oh, there's just way more things to consider um, in how to you know grow a brand and actually maybe turn a product into a brand. And um, one of the first things that you think of in in answering that question is like, well, um, are you just on Amazon? You know, uh, have you have you expanded and like have you found the best fits? off of Amazon. So um, uh, let's just do a thought experiment where, you know, I have grown to uh, say $500,000 a year in sales and it's all just on Amazon doing, you know, uh, private label. What would you think be, you know, uh, the next step? Well, I think always you have to look at your customer base, right? Um, who is your customer and where do they shop? What other brands do they follow? You know, where do they expect to find you? Um, and of course, we all love Amazon. I love Amazon too. I'm an Amazon, Amazon seller as well. Uh, but when it comes to expansion, we really have to think and remember that e-commerce is... 10% of all of retail. Right. E-commerce is right. 10% of all of retail. So it's like, whoa, you know, and then Amazon is a little over half of the e-commerce chunk, but there's still so many cool places that we can sell our products, both online and offline um, in brick and mortar channels as well. So when you're thinking about, okay, you know, could I do something off Amazon? I know a lot of people too, they don't want to keep all of their eggs in the Amazon basket right now because it's just been yeah, really crazy. Amazon's yeah, changed a lot, right? That's not a, yeah, it's not a great idea. Um, now, so expanding off Amazon and, you know, figuring out where your customers are or how to get to them, you know, the most natural might be, you know, Walmart, Shopify, but like, and then the rest of, you know, brick and mortar, you could set up wholesale. So say you're approached, you're approaching that question right there. Um, what are some factors that you should be considering? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that you should consider is your margin. So if you're on Amazon and you have just a 3X, so you're sourcing it for $5, you're selling it for 15. If your margins are really narrow, you might not have enough margin to actually expand into re retail and sell your products at wholesale prices. So 
When you're selling your products wholesale in general, the general rule, and of course there's exceptions to this rule, but the general rule is you're selling that product for 50% of the retail price. And the retail price is whatever you're selling it for on Amazon. So it's not like you can say, oh, well, my MSRP is $40, but I sell it on Amazon for $20 on average. Cause I'm yeah, yeah, that won't, that, that won't fly. No. Yeah, exactly. And we know that Amazon's already doing, uh, you know, comparison pricing across major retail channels. So um, the first thing that you should think about if you're going to start selling your products wholesale is do I have the margin to sell this product for 50% of that retail price and um, and still make a profit there. So that's that's the well even take your, take your scenario of a $15 uh, retail um, and your your uh, cost of goods is five dollars per unit. Um, if you were to sell it to a brick and mortar store for 750, is that worthwhile? Or is that good enough? I don't, it wouldn't be for me. Okay. <laughs> no, you know, that's, that's the good thing about selling wholesale is that, um, that usually those brick and mortar stores pay shipping. So you're not paying for shipping, right? Okay. Um, that's helpful, but you know, that's, that's a very narrow margin, right? I like to have enough profit to at least buy one more unit even on Amazon, right? So um, you you generally want to be able to cut it in half from your retail price and then cut it in half again um, to be able to uh, you know make a make a profit there. So um, that's that's just a, a general rule. So, so pricing is your first yeah, yep. sorry, go ahead. So what you're saying is if say your your cost is five dollars, if it was wholesaling for twenty dollars, you're like, okay, that starts to make sense. Yes, exactly. Well, no, if your cost is um, if your cost is five dollars, you want it to wholesale for 10, right? So you you want to be able to double that, right? So if let's say I'm selling a product for forty dollars retail, the wholesale price is twenty dollars, I should source that for 10. Okay, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think um, we're just dancing around <laughs> yeah. I think I understood you. Um, and yeah, so, you know, so that's healthy- the, the first consideration is that you want to think about your margin and, you know, whether, whether you have enough margin there. Um, and then the second thing is think about how your customers shop. So, you know, where do they shop? Do they mostly shop online for your type of product? And if so, what are the other uh, types of online channels that might be beneficial for you. So maybe you're selling a home decor item, right? Home decor. And even on Amazon, home decor isn't really the best product. Those aren't the best products to sell on Amazon because American consumers usually go on websites like Overstock and Wayfair to buy home decor type of goods. And if you'll notice, if you go to those online websites and you check out the prices of home decor compared to those prices for very similar products, like I, I did an example of a gold vase. Um, it was, a you know, on Amazon, these types of gold vases were like $19, right? Very cheap. 
you find the same thing on Wayfair and it's like 73 to a hundred dollars. Um, so if you are selling a home decor item, you might be surprised. Amazon might not be the best place for you to sell your products. And you might discover that there are other really, really great places to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and then same thing, there's brick and mortar opportunities as well. Um, little chain stores like Tuesday morning, for example, are really great places to put those, um, type of items for in the home, right? Let's hit, um, Wayfair. Uh, is that as simple as just like setting up a, uh, do you do the product page? Do you set up the drop ship? Yeah. You to get set up on Wayfair, you just scroll down to the bottom of the website and you click on sell on Wayfair and um, you it? buy and it's, it's a drop shipping site. So you list and then you ship it to the customer when it sells. Okay. Um, so let's see, uh, Wayfair and Overstock, um, what are their fees? So I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I sell pet products mostly, so I don't really um, sell a lot on Wayfair. But um, but their fees are are we we did open up our account on Wayfair. We do have some home goods, um, and their fees were really reasonable. So um, the uh, only thing is that you're doing the fulfillment. So that's the second thing that if you're going to sell your products um, to other channels that you may want to consider your logistics as well. So first you want to make sure you have the margin um, to be able to, you know, offer wholesale prices. Secondly, if you're going for brick and mortar, you want to make sure that you have retail ready packaging because a lot of us just have, you know, kind of the Amazon brown box or the Amazon poly bag. And we're, we really don't have, you know, if you walk into a brick and mortar retail store, you'll notice that your product is probably presented differently on the shelf than you present it on Amazon. So you might have some work to do there. So that's a great exercise to do. Go walk through a store and see how products like yours are presented. Uh, you can Google uh, or look up on YouTube unboxings of competitors' products that are selling in retail. Um, but you definitely want to make sure that you're retail ready. And that means that you have kind of really great packaging and that it's, your product is presented in a way that makes that will make sense for a brick and mortar retailer um, and that you have the margin there, right? And so that you're ready to provide a quote. You also need a catalog. Um, most buyers in retail expect you to be able to send them a catalog of your products. Um, so that's this, something- this be a physical catalog or like a digital? So I use a digital catalog. Um, yeah, but uh, you could have both. You could have a digital version of it, but most of the time you just send a link to your catalog. Yeah. And what's great about a catalog is that you can put different products in your catalog that you haven't even launched yet. And you can get orders from retailers. So if, for example, you have a really great relationship with your supplier, um, and you know that you'd be able to expand into different colors of your whatever, you know, your widget that you're selling. You'd be able to expand very easily. Maybe you sell little Bluetooth speakers for the shower. Okay. Well, now you can mock them up in every color in your catalog. And, uh, or maybe you're going to change the shape. Your supplier has the ability to, to offer you different shapes. You can put all of that in your catalog 
and put it out there um, to different retailers and different buyers and see what they're interested in. And then, you know, you can, because most of the time retail buyers buy ahead of the season, right? right? So they're going to ask you for quotes on certain products. And in that way, you can actually sell products that you haven't launched yet um, ahead of the game. Well, you know, uh, that happens in the software space as well. <laughs> my brother is often like sold a feature like that doesn't exist yet. And we're like, oh, crap, here we go. Um, no, that's a really okay. smart thing. Um, and I. Uh, so I just want to I think Wayfair and, you know, Oversight are slightly different than they're, they're different than because that's that's dropship. They're different yeah. than, um, you know, so going like, to going to brick and mortar. So yeah, what's, what's a good first step with brick and mortar? And we, we talked about, you know, retail ready packaging, pricing uh, parity across channels. And um, but like how is someone else making a judgment on whether to buy on your stuff? Um, you, you got your catalog. Um, is there a gatekeeper? Is there uh, or and how do you find that person and how do you persuade that? Yeah, so you're right. There is there is a good first step in retail, and that is smaller, uh, more specialty and chain stores. So there's over, I think it's like 120,000 um, chain stores, small, um, more like mom and pop stores in the U.S. alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I just look for pet retailers in uh, my region of the U.S., there's over 10,000 of them. Um, so there's a, a tremendous opportunity when you think about Amazon as one store. <laughs> if you can get your products into, if you can be selling regularly to multiple stores, um, you know, or you can get those reorders in bulk and they're paying for shipping and you have decent margin, you could have yourself a decent amount of revenue every year added to the pie. And then once you start uh, getting some of those orders and and really kind of showing up in retail, you can expand fairly easily. So you should be thinking about logistics as well, because you're, you're going to be shipping from wherever. So for me, I have a warehouse in San Antonio. Um, I can't, we can't ship from Amazon, right? We can't use Amazon FBA to send our products to retailers. So we need to have logistics. We need to have a warehouse. So I have my own warehouse. And when I quote retailers, it's FOB San Antonio. I live in San Antonio. So um, so that's something else to be thinking about. But once you have all of that set up, you've got, you know, you're ready to start quoting. You're ready to start um, talking to a few buyers. So the first thing you want to do is really start the research process, right? Look around your area. There is um, there's a library database called Reference USA, and you can use this at any public library. It's like a business database. It's like the yellow pages or the white pages on steroids, right, <laughs> for businesses. And so you could definitely utilize that with your public library card. You can go and, and look for that. Uh, but also Yelp is a really great resource, 
go on Yelp and search for um, pet stores, go on Yelp and search for those kinds of things. Foursquare is another great resource. Um, But just look for stores in your area first. If you live overseas, you can utilize those same databases to send emails, uh, give them a call and say, you know, I love your, your small pet shop, right? I have a great product. I would love to send you a sample. So that's how you open the conversation. It's very short and sweet. LinkedIn is a really great resource. So let's say you found, um, you found, you did, you went on Yelp and you searched, let's say you have an automotive product, right? Um, And you go on Yelp and you search for like small little automotive shops um, around you. Okay. You found 10 of them and you look at their website and you're like, oh, okay, this is great. This seems like a great fit. So for example, my, actually my private label, we have uh, auto repair kits. They're very, you know, almost like people really repairing, like they're, I don't even understand these tools, <laughs> but um, they've got a good fit. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so you you would go and research those. There's so many of those little like auto body shops. And a lot of times, even like uh, the bigger ones, like advanced auto and stuff like that, a lot of times they're locally owned and their buyer can, can be local or you can find a distributor for that chain. Right. So you're just going to um, you're going to first find out what your target store is um, by doing your research. And then you can actually get on LinkedIn and you can search for that category buyer. So let's say your automotive tool, whatever type of tool repair kit it is, um, is in the tires category at advanced auto. So what I mean by tires category is you go on their website and you look and you see the category breakdown is tires. And I know you love categories and subcategories with Smart Scout. So you're all about that. But that's really, it's really important to know what these stores call their categories. Why? Because they're by they hire buyers in those categories. So now you can go on LinkedIn. Let's say that you found your tool or something like it, right? In the tires category at Advanced Auto. Then you go on LinkedIn and you search for tires category buyer yeah. advanced auto. And would this, I mean, like what kind of um, what kind of revenue would this drive, you know, if you're going to boutique stores, you know, yeah. maybe they order 30 units. Yeah. Um, but if you go to these like regional chains, um, what are we talking about? What is uh, in your well, experience? When you're first starting, and that's another thing that you really want to think about is how your products are case packed, because you will now have to be the one to set the MOQs. Right. Yeah, we all didn't want to deal with MOQs with our Chinese suppliers, but now you're responsible. You're the supplier. You're responsible for MOQs. So in the beginning, when you first start selling wholesale, um, it's it, it really just depends on the channel. Like you were saying, Scott, if it's a very small boutique store, you know, I I found a really cute pet store um, in North Carolina. I was looking in industry magazines and I found one and I just reached out to this lady on LinkedIn and I said, Hey, I love what you did in this industry magazine. Um, I, I saw you in pet age and, and I love what you said there. And I have an innovative pet product. I love your store. I would love to just send you a sample. 
And she was like, sounds great. You know, she responded right to me. Um, she, she said, yeah, go ahead and send it over. I sent her a sample. Um, I followed up and, um, and she made an order. Now, in her case, she was a small, she only had three stores, right, in North Carolina. So she was just ordering. She just wanted to try a few. So it's, it was a very small order, but it was an opening to a relationship. And if my product sells well there, she'll be reordering, right? Um, and so that, that is a little opening for a bigger store now. If I, if I find a larger chain store, I can say, yes, I'm already selling in several, you know, smaller um, shops in, you know. And, and you can almost give you, and you've got validation, you know, be like, hey, you know, this is what they're doing. This other type of store, different part of state is selling, you know, yeah. 60 units a month. And uh, but when you get to the point though, Scott, you, you think about like some of the bigger chains, like think about CVS, right? CVS has 9,400 stores, in the US. I mean, that's humongous. Of course, they would want to start you with a regional test. But if you pass that regional test and they roll you out nationwide, we're talking container loads at a time being ordered. That, that's that's serious, right? Yeah. I, I have a client that um, they, they connected with a major, they actually sell funeral products and they connected with a major distributor in another country, um, major distributor, um, of these types of products. And they used our, our retail tips to kind of, you know, be able to quote and set their prices right. And they, this distributor has already placed three orders from them and they're placing them right from their supplier in India. So literally they're just getting a check. <laughs> That's it. They're getting a check and they've, they've already gotten three orders in one quarter, big, you know, orders. So it's, once you get set up, it can become a lot easier. The hard part is changing our mindsets and our setup from like, okay, I'm sending it to FBA and I'm, I'm launching over here and I'm getting this going. And so now every time I launch, I make sure that that launch is also retail ready, right? So I have some in a warehouse, I have some that I can sell in retail and I have my cattle, I, I add that to my catalog, right? And then I have some that go to Amazon and, you know, but the packaging is retail ready, which actually helps me on Amazon, you know? Oh, I know you packaging on Amazon is huge. Like if you're able to have, I mean, this goes into photography, but if you have a picture of the product and the package behind it, Mm -hmm. It gives 3D and it just really shows your brand a lot. Or you can like highlight a, a feature or a, a heavy benefit of your product. Like I have on one of my products, I have cleans a litter box in under 60 seconds, like a big timer on the yeah. front of the box, you know, and that just stands out. And my competitors, they just have a product with, a, you know, this, it doesn't stand out. It doesn't look retail. The other thing, the other channel that I would love to just bring up is subscription boxes. So we talked about like online retailers as far as like drop shipping, like Wayfair and stuff like that. Yeah. We talked about brick and mortar, like small chains and kind of how to reach out to buyers, send a sample, follow up with the catalog, you know, then you work out that first order, give them a quote and work out that first order plus shipping. But don't forget about subscription boxes too, because there's like, for example, Ipsy um, is like a major subscription box. They have over, I think, 3 million subscribers. It's a beauty subscription box. Um, and they're always looking for products. Their minimum order quantity is 50,000 units. So if you have a cool, innovative beauty product 
and you're looking for channels to sell it in, there's so many beauty subscription boxes. If you have a cool, small, innovative pet product, there's so many, there's BarkBox, there's all these different pet subscription boxes. Those subscription boxes need products. And however many subscribers they have, they're going to want that many units from you. So it's another really, really great way. That's insane. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, those, that's a, that's a big uh, list right there. Um, and then again, you know, I feel like subscription boxes again, is just like a, you're selling, you know, to someone that is essentially just judging um, an opportunity. And um, there, I have to imagine there is work that you can do to like make that look better. It's um, actually, and just thinking out loud, it, your website, if you have a website that is just like a direct-to-consumer website and you really show off your, your project product really well, they're going to study you out. Uh, yeah. I, I've um, come across, I, I can criticize my, one of my own businesses, uh, Buy Boxer, um, our reselling business. I do think that our website, we could have invested a lot more into it because, yeah, they're not studying us in our conversation, but afterwards, they're just getting a feel of like, hey, is this like someone like that we want to entrust with this you know, relationship? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure we've uh, kind of dropped the ball a little bit by not like just really, um, you know. And that's st- such a good point, Scott, because um, when it comes to your website, retailers do look at your website and your web presence and your social media presence. Um, so it's, it is important that you don't have your website set up to just sell your Amazon products. Retailers do not like that. You know, if, if you just, if you go to your website and it's just like, go to Amazon, you know, it's, it's not, it's not good branding for you. It makes yep. you look like you're just an Amazon business and you, you know, and, and that doesn't look good for them either because, you know, they, if you have a really great social media presence or, and it's okay if you don't, if you have a great product, that's okay. If you have a great product with what if you have a fledgling social media experience uh, where say you have like, you know, 200 people. Yeah, that's, that's okay. It, it doesn't, they don't judge you necessarily by that, but it can also really help you. Like if you are going for a bigger fish, you know, if you are going for that, that subscription box and you're like, you know, um, people love, we have a unique color of lipstick that um, other beauty brands don't have. It would be great for your subscription box. Um, we'd love to send you a sample and our, you know, when you're, when you're mentioning, you could say, you know, our 50,000 Instagram followers absolutely love it. They voted it their favorite color. We'd love to send you a sample to consider for your subscription box. You um, know what I mean? Like that. I'm sold. Send me some <laughs> lipstick. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's not as important that you have the perfect website, but it is something to keep in mind. Your packaging, your website, your wholesale catalog, right? That you're ready to go there. Your ability to send a price quote and understand kind of the lingo. Uh All of that is going to help you, but don't let it stop you from just having a conversation. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, if I just could, you know, just restart over my, my Amazon career, I, I'd do it way better because I'll tell you what I would do right now, just after this conversation and then maybe a few others, but like, um, I personally hated setting up a retail website. I hated it. 
I used some sort of a Presta shop or whatever. And um, right now I would hire a Shopify website designer. And um, you could probably find cheap to expensive. Um, and if you're, you know, you're smaller or newer, you know, you go to cheap, but like, uh, uh, like you said, like you don't want a website that just is selling your Amazon product. If you get someone that really like fleshes out these details, makes you look good, um, and functional, um, I, you just be in a better spot. It's kind of like all these like small assets. Yeah. They are kind of tedious and they can cost you money. But like, um, you need that leg up at certain some points. So yeah, I mean, I'd, I I'd, that... I'd, I'd go into Upwork right now or Fiverr and just like find me a, a Shopify website designer and just go to town. I think that if you could spend money on anything, it should be your branding. Um, yep. That's that's key. Uh, it's it's so key. We have a retail ready service where we like you know we'll. Uh, look at your products and see if they're very retail ready, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of like packaging and stuff like that. 90% of the people that are like, well, I'm selling like crazy on Amazon. I'm doing so good, you know, and 90% of them are not retail ready, meaning their packaging isn't ready to go. They, you know, they don't have a catalog. They're they're not, they're not ready to start the conversation. Yeah. Um, So the thing is, if I had to spend money on anything, yes, websites. Okay. But it, it's not the most important thing because it's not like a wholesale buyer is buying from your website. They care that your product has a good backing, right? That that it's selling well on other retail channels. They care about that. Like if it's selling well on Amazon, that's good. That's that's a good sign, right? If customers like it, if the reviews are good. I pitched a Walmart buyer and um, they love the product, but sure enough, they went online and they wanted to see how that product was doing and whether people liked it, you know. But they looked at the packaging, they looked at the size of it for the shelf, all of that, you know. So you you want to make sure, and then they want to know. They want to know the pricing, they want to know the terms, you know. So that kind of stuff is important. So if I had to spend money on anything, it would be branding because yeah. that wow branding. If you have even a simple beauty product, you know, it's like putting lipstick on the pig, right? If if you have a very simple product, which most uh, lotions, topicals, those kinds of things are, it's all about, you know, I got Vaseline on my desk here, right? It's all about that clean, awesome branding. And if you look at even a product like Vaseline, their logo and stuff has changed over the years, right? They've modernized this jar. This jar didn't used to look so modern and clean, right? But if I could spend money on anything, it would be branding, And from the start, making sure that my logo looks good, making sure that I actually understand the target customer, Um, you know, all of the branding experts that I've become friends with over the years that have helped many of my clients and have helped me, um, you know, they just think on a different level and they know like, okay, no, you, your product needs to, your packaging needs to be green because of X, Y, and Z, you know, they know like brand color wheels, they know the fonts that should be used. They know all of that. And I have a close friend that, um, that was on shark tank and she did very well, but her branding is not great. And I think she lost in a retail order, a major retail order because of that, you know, Mm -hmm. another product was chosen over hers. So we sat down the other day and we studied her customer and we said, you know, let's modernize the font and let's change up the box. Let's change up the packaging. Just changing that 
can make all the difference in the world in how much you sell and, and everything else. And then when you take those pictures to put them on your website, that alone is going to yeah. just, so if I, I had just one thing to change, spend money on, that would be it. I'd love to do an episode just on packaging. I mean, it's, uh, uh, it is kind of like the 21st century. Uh, I mean, I say the last 20 years where packaging has like really just been recognized as a, a differentiator. I mean, Apple's proved it. And um, that doesn't mean it doesn't apply to Amazon as well. You know, if you yeah. want uh, to create an experience with a product, like that's one of the first things and showing it off, you, you can show it off everywhere. So why wouldn't mm-hmm. you in, invest so much um, on, on that side as well? And, you know, say your manufacturer says, no, we can't do that type of manufacturing. We'll be so that type of packaging, be like, turn turn around and tell them like, no, no, uh, tough luck. Like we're going to, we're going to get this packaging right. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, I, with my products, sometimes I've had to go outside of that manufacturer for packaging. Yep. But a lot of times people aren't even asking their manufacturer about packaging. You yep. know, that manufacturer, they know packaging because they work with tons of different brands. So just sitting down on a video call with your supplier and saying like, hey, let's talk packaging today. Show me all your different um, options for packaging. That can change the game for you. I I did that with a client and um, this particular uh, supplier also supplied for high-end brands that sold their products for four times in retail, what she was selling her product for on Amazon. And I was like, what are they doing for packaging? Show us what they're doing. And they showed us, they were so happy to show us like they're doing this with their boxes. They're doing this over here. This is what this looks like, you know? And so we discovered all this new type of packaging and design all because we just sat down with the manufacturer just to talk about packaging options. And if your manufacturer, maybe they're smaller, maybe they don't know, maybe they aren't working with some of those bigger brands, definitely don't be afraid to reach out to a packaging company because another consideration for retail is a lot of times people will ship their products out in something called a shipper. So, you know, when you walk through Walmart and there's these um, cardboard kind of displays in the middle of the aisle with all the different products on them. So you can actually sell your products. You can uh, have a packaging company do a mock-up of your products inside of a shipper and put that in your catalog. And then you can get these retail stores to just buy the whole thing, right? Display and everything and put it in the middle of their floor. They love it. You drop off the pallet, they perk it, you know, drop it down and they've got this really great, they've got your product already just looking great. This is kind of got this nice wrapping around it. And um, so you can mock those up. You don't even have to have your packaging perfect for retail. You can mock it up. You can work with a packaging company to mock it up and put it in your catalog. Uh-huh. And then the retailer says, oh, I, I like this shipper that you put in here. Um, you know, can we change it up a little bit? I would like one for a smaller aisle, you know, and then then you actually get your packaging company to do that. So don't yep. be afraid to look at those options too. So we were working... Uh pretty close with an aggregator recently. Uh, this still didn't actually go through, but um, what was really interesting, their perspective of like what they call the rest of channel. Yeah, they're buying Amazon brands, but like they had experience, they knew how to like uh, take things off of Amazon, really like, you know, s- soak up and grab more brand equity. Um, this is 
a very interesting area. You know, for some people, this is the stage that they're at and they uh, need to get a few things right so they don't fall on their face. Um, Amy, thank you so much for coming and talking about this. Like, I think there's like four or five takeaways that are very uh, relevant for most people. Um, and, you know, there's, there's more to learn. And there's actually, you know, uh, I know that you, you were talking about how you've helped other brands. What's your preferred way of people getting a hold of you and continuing this conversation? Yeah. If you guys want us to review your products for retail, you can go to amazingathome.com forward slash retail. And we have a, you know, a free review service there where you can just say, Hey, I'm interested in, in doing this. And, um, and I just don't know, like if I'm even eligible, right. Or what I need to do and could just give you an idea of, um, of whether or not your brand is ready and, and what you could do to make it ready. Um, so that's, that's one way. And, and otherwise just go to amazingathome.com and click the contact button and send me an email anytime. Yep. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, guys. If you want to learn more, if you're ready to go retail, if you're at that, that tipping point, then reach out to her. Super valuable uh, knowledge. Uh, and I I do think that success off of Amazon is you know the brand direction that you should think about. And uh, because that's how you increase the multiple on you know your business. If you if you end up selling it, boy, am I tired of just only thinking about businesses through the lens of selling it. But boy, that, that's the conversation right now. And uh, but before you can even get to that, you have to create a valuable brand. So, you know, let's 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 get uh the meat and potatoes first. Um, well, and that wraps up for this episode. Um, everyone, uh, thank you for listening and uh hope that you know. If you're listening to this in the in 2021 Q4, that you are really nailing this Christmas and uh, getting the most of it. And I will catch you on the next one. Take care. One, two, three. Yeah.